Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Shakedown. I'm your host, Aaron Dawson, the warden at Warren County, but more importantly, the host of The Shakedown. So glad to be with you again. Uh, quick question before we before we get up and rolling uh, today. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you uh, put in for your position, for your employment, at your facility, whether that be a jail or a prison or wherever it may be. But anyway, you put in for your position because you were thrilled. You were excited. You were anxiously awaiting the opportunity to write reports on a regular basis. Anybody? Anybody? No? You? you no. no hands. Well, if we were to be honest with each other, the truth of the matter is, is that very few people enjoy writing reports. Yet, it is probably one of the largest parts and one of the most important parts of the job that you and I have as corrections professionals. We talked about when we talked about use of force that uh, if there is an incident in which um, our agency or ourselves as individuals are sued that they're coming after a few key things. When we said the first thing they're coming after was policy, uh, then after that was procedure, how we carry out that policy. The third thing they were coming after was our training. Were we trained in how to carry out uh, that procedure uh, that is outlined in our policy? And the fourth thing, if you remember we talked about, the fourth thing they're coming after is documentation. That's right, documentation. So it is our job, as it is, is a huge part of our job, to make sure that our documentation is exactly what it needs to be. That it's exactly uh, as clear and as comprehensive as it needs to be. And probably going to take a few episodes uh, to discuss report writing because there's so much there that we want to talk about and get into. And what I want to talk about today primarily is in my opinion, the two most important factors that must be a part of every report that we write. And those two factors are, first of all, truth. Second of all, honesty. And they said, now, hold on a second. Aren't those the same things? Well, no, they're close. They're similar. See, the truth, the truth is absolute. The truth is always the truth, no matter the perspective, no matter uh, the way we think about it, no matter our feelings, no matter our emotions, uh, no matter our viewpoint, doesn't matter. Truth is truth is truth. It always is the truth and it always will be the truth. Honesty is being true to our perception of what took place. Honesty is not trying to color it or sway it uh, based on convenience or, or something maybe we're trying to keep ourselves out of trouble. It's not doing that. It's not putting a spin on it. No, it's being honest and saying, look, here's the situation as I saw it. Here's the situation as I understood it. And here's the situation as I was able to handle it. But those two things, truth and honesty. First, let's talk about truth. Now, it is a fact that there are going to be times that situations take place in which we don't know exactly what it was that happened. All we know is, is, all of a sudden, we recognize that something's going on. We saw a need. We saw a situation in which we had to respond. And so we responded. Uh, we may not have had a lot of time to think about it or 
process it. We just had to go. And based on our perception of what took place, um, we responded as we saw fit to respond. But then later, after everything's said and done, and we go back and we review the video or we, or we think through what it was uh, that took place, often we're going to find that that initial perception, that initial perception that we had wasn't accurate. Was that a problem? No. No, it's not a problem. But being truthful means I am being honest about what really happened as well as my perception of what happened. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, that freedom that may be in a figurative sense, or that may be in a literal sense. But guys, we have got to be truthful in all our report writing. The second thing is honesty. Regardless of, of how ridiculous in the aftermath our perception may be of what took place, it is important, it is imperative, it is a must that we include exactly what our perception was, even if, in hindsight, it's ridiculous. Because if we are honest with, with how we felt, if we are honest with what we saw or what we thought we saw or what we heard or what we thought we heard, it'll make the case that we needed to make to defend what it was or or whatever the case may be. Whenever I think about report writing and the importance of report writing, uh, the fact of the matter is, guys, that report writing is probably, probably from a practical perspective, report writing is probably the most important thing that we will do in the course of a shift. Sure, head counts are important. Sure, uh, compliance checks or running a cleaning cart or uh, taking people up for court or fill in the blank. All the things that we do on a daily day, all of them, all of them are important. All of them are crucial. But when we talk about things that are going to bear long-lasting fruit, I don't know that there's some, there's anything that we can put ahead of report writing. Why is that? Well, if a prisoner files litigation of some form or another, they sue. They sue the sheriff's office. They sue our municipality. Uh, they sue us personally. If a prisoner files litigation, they sue. Often, often either the lawsuit itself is not filed until months, months or weeks later, or even if it is filed, it doesn't come to court or uh, we are called upon for months or years later. The point being, when it finally comes down the pipe, when it finally is time, are we going to be able to remember what it is that took place? Are we going to be remember able to remember all the details, those sounds, those sights, those those impressions, those <coughs> excuse me perceptions that may have been? Are we going to remember, are we going to be able to remember all of that when it comes time? The truth of the matter is. Probably not. So if we don't write good reports for anybody else, let's write them for us. Because there's nothing that says that we can't go back and look at our own reports. We can't go back and read our own reports and, and remind ourselves of what took place. Of course we can. It's, it's our report. So if we don't write reports, good reports, 
for anybody else. We need to write them for ourselves. And it can impact our job in a tremendous way. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember uh, as, right after I got promoted to, to corporal, the guy that was the sergeant, uh, his, his first child was born and there were some complications in the delivery. And so bottom line, two weeks after I was promoted to corporal, he's out of pocket for six months. So basically, I inherited the shift after about two weeks uh, as, as a supervisor. Well, things are rocking along. Things are great. We have this officer, that uh, line officer, floor officer, and he, he was a solid officer. He was good. Uh, he paid attention to detail. He thought quick on his feet. Uh, he was able to communicate and talk to people. Uh, he, was, he was great with that. Uh, he, he was a hard worker. Uh, he held the inmate population to the, you know, held them to the line as far as the inmate handbook and policies and the procedures. I mean, he, he was a good, well-rounded officer, not one that would be given to excessive force or, or any of those things. An officer that, frankly, you were proud to have on your shift because he, he was a rock. He was solid. He was consistent. Well, we had this inmate one night uh, that, you know, this the inmate, the, the inmate that he likes to put on a show and likes to do something. Uh, foolish or get everybody laughing and he wants the officer to fuss at him so that when the officer tells me hey man you gotta quit that or or you you go go rack down and you can't be doing that he wants to put on the show man I ain't racking now you have to come put me in my cell and and as soon as the officer would respond and come to deal with him he'd laugh he'd cut up he'd run up to his cell and close the door. Well one evening this inmate this particular inmate he slides down the handrail from this uh, on the stairs from the catwalk, the second tier, down to the first tier. Obviously, a violation of the inmate handbook. He's horse playing. And so the officer in the tower, the officer I mentioned earlier, sees this and tells him over the intercom, Hey, bud, you know you can't be doing that. That's horse play. We'll need you to catch the rack, catch your rack to the end of shift. I'm going to put him behind the door. Well, the inmate. Every, all the other inmates in the housing unit, they hear what the officer said. And so he puts on a show. You know, man, I have, I'm not going to my cell. You're going to have to put me in my cell. So the officer comes down. Well, as the officer's coming down, the inmate cells on the second tier. He runs up the stairs, goes across to his cell door, and waits for the officer. Well, the officer comes to the housing unit. Man, get in your cell. And I ain't going in my cell. You're going to have to put me in there. But I'm telling you, get in your cell. You can't be horse playing. You know that. You know better. You're going to be racked down to the end of the shift. Get in your cell. Man, I ain't going in my cell. You're going to have to put me in here. The other inmates in the day room are laughing hysterically. Well, as the officer goes up the stairs, he's going to cross the catwalk to put the inmate in his cell. The inmate kicks his slides off and pulls his T-shirt off as well, signaling this is about to get real. He's about to fight. The officer not expecting anything from this inmate because, again, he's always playing around. He's walking across the catwalk telling him, you're going to get in your cell. You're going to stay in there until the end of the shift. Well, as the officer gets about five or six feet away from him, goes to put him in the cell. The inmate, totally uncharacteristic of him, jumps towards the officer. I mean, lunges towards the officer. Taken by surprise, the officer, he stumbles back. He reaches across, pulls his taser out draws up on the inmate and deploys the taser. Well, the inmate saw the taser coming up and I guess in expectation of being tased, he started falling down before the taser was deployed, really. So one probe struck him, the other one didn't. So he's not getting anything. Well, the inmate realizes when he's on the floor 
hey, I'm not getting shot. So he stands back up and is approaching the officer. The officer realizes, well, I wasted that cartridge. Didn't get a good, uh, good lock on him, so he holsters his taser, grabs a spray, reaches up, and goes to spray uh, the deploy his spray on the inmate. Well, the inmate sees the can of spray come up, throws his hands in front of his face, and falls down. Well, when the officer goes to deploy the spray, it malfunctioned. It didn't work. Well, the inmate laying on the floor realizes, hey, wait a minute. He hadn't been sprayed. So he turns around and he crawls to the other end of the catwalk. There's a shower there at the end of the catwalk. He, walk, he crawls to the end of the catwalk, gets his head up in the corner, and lays down on his hands, refusing to give up his hands. So the officer follows him over there. He's telling him, give me your hands, give me your hands. The inmate's squirming back and forth. Hey, give me my hands. Give me your hands. Give me your hands. And he throws a knee strike. Give me hands. And they won't give up his hands. So he takes his taser out and he applies a drive stun. Well, that's effective. The inmate still isn't giving up his hands. So he holsters his taser, takes a spray out, shakes it up real good, reaches around and deploys effectively his can of spray. Well, to make a long story short, as soon as the spray hits the inmate's face, he sticks his hands out. They get the inmate cuffed up. They get him detained. We're done. Well, we go to review the video. And the problem with the video was the camera was at the front of the housing unit, which was all the way across the room from this incident. And there's a chain link fence in between the camera and the altercation between the officer and the inmate. So on camera, you see the uh, officer walking across the inmate. Inmate lunges. You see the officer bring his taser up. And you see the inmate fall down. Now remember, did the inmate get tased? No. But on the video, what does it look like? It looks like inmate got tased. Inmate stands back up, watching the video. Inmate stands back up. You see the officer reach, pull his can of spray out, now stick it in front of the inmate's face. You see the inmate's hands goes to his face, and he falls down. Now remember, did the officer deploy his spray? No, he didn't. But on the video, it looks like his spray was deployed. You see the inmate crawl to the shower. At first in, you see the officer follow him. Throw a couple of knee strikes. Then you see him take his taser out. Apply a drive stun. You see him take his can of spray out. And deploy spray. Now, in reality, how many times have the inmate been tased? Well, technically, he'd been drive stunned and that was it. How many times he'd been sprayed? Once. So he'd been drive stunned once and he'd been sprayed Really not an excessive force, an amount of excessive force. But by camera, what did it look like? It looked like you've been tased twice, you've been sprayed twice. That's a problem. The point being, I told this officer after reviewing the video, I said, Bud, you need to make sure your report is solid. Because if this ends up in a lawsuit, well, I don't think it should, but if it does, the video is terrible. And if your report's terrible, we got a problem. Again, to make a long story short, he tried to keep, he kept trying to turn in these, these four, five, six, seven sentence reports, eight sentences. I mean, nothing, virtually nothing. And I kept up, no, no, I need more detail. I need more detail. I need more detail. Well, finally, he got to the point where he said, Corporal Austin, this is all I got. This is all I can do, which I knew was not the truth. He was capable of a lot more. Bottom line, after that incident got turned 
into the administration. They reviewed the use of force. They reviewed the video and they looked at his at his answer report. They decided, well, he doesn't need to be employed anymore. And so he was fired over an incident that he was justified in. But his report did not demonstrate the truth or honesty. And it cost him. Now, thankfully, uh, litigation has been filed. That's been quite a few years ago. And so litigation has been filed. And I'm hoping that that stays the case. But the truth is, it was his report that hung him. So the question is, how about our report right now? Well, that's all the time we got. Uh, that's all the time we got for today, guys. But uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again next week to continue our, our talk about uh, report writing. But in the meantime, I'm Godspeed. And as always, guys, stay sharp, stay safe, stay vigilant.